Alrighty, buddy. Here we go. Imagine this journey. You wake up each day to look out your window to a breathtaking view with everything you own in an RV that you're drinking your coffee from. This is the life of a digital nomad. On March 24th, 2018, Damian Ross started a daily video series called The Road to 1000, where he simply recorded a new video every day with the goal of completing a thousand recorded videos. While doing this, Damien also launched a new lifestyle brand and magazine called Rootless Living. Whether it's where you live or where you work or even both, Rootless Living will help educate people on how to become unstuck and get out of the mindset that you are locked into a certain lifestyle, regardless of how you feel about it. Damien is documenting the start and growth of this business on the Plan D podcast, and you can grab a free digital subscription to Rootless Living, a digital magazine for digital nomads at www.rootlessliving.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the publisher, Damian Ross. Welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. What's up? Glad to be here. So uh, where are you currently today? I'm in a little town called St. Paul in Oregon. Um, it's a town of about 300 people just south of Portland, going to be here as we uh, gut the interior of our RV and uh, redo the whole interior of this bad boy that we've had for three and a half years. Awesome. So when we talk about, um, you know, or I talked about your introduction, it has been awesome for me, Damien, because I actually met you through my company walking in saying, hey, have you checked out Rootless Living Magazine? And I said, no, what's it all about? And they said, man, the, the guy that started it, he's truly living this nomad lifestyle out of, out of an RV and traveling all over the country. I'm like, wow. Without requesting you, I just started scouting you on my own. And I was like, holy shit, like Damien seems like a really good dude. So, you know, with everybody sharing their life's journey, we all come from different walks of life. So as I do with every interview for all the listeners and viewers who is Damien Ross and where did you grow up and where are you? How did you get to where you're at today? Yeah. So, you know, I was, um, I kind of say this funny thing where I was born in Seattle. I learned to talk in Boston, walk in New York and run in Los Angeles. And I spent the majority of my, at the time, 44 years, probably, I don't know, at least 40 of them in the LA Orange County area. Um, obviously elementary, junior high school, all through there. Um, I, I ended up like getting, a girl pregnant really young, married really young. I mean, literally, I'll be 50 next year. My oldest will be 30 and my youngest will be 20. So I got through it really quick and early, which most really shouldn't do. I, I don't recommend it. I mean, it's cool to be whatever, 44 and your kids are out of the house, but uh, it really does take away from a lot of the stuff that you're going around in your 20s. Um, you know, I had a big drinking kind of, you know, drug issue as a teenager. And in my 20s, I got sober in 1997. I've been sober 23 years. Um, and it's obviously changed my life in so many ways. I think in a little bit of my travels, I started noticing that I just really didn't like big city. I mean, I, I love California. I just don't love how many people are in California is what I started really noticing. And I was like, done. I want to get out of California. But I didn't know where. And I remember thinking, probably because of Fixer Upper, if I don't lose any kind of street cred for mentioning that show, I probably thought, man, I should move to Texas. Like, you can buy, you know, a, just a mansion for the cost of a garage here in L.A. And But I didn't know where in Texas. And so I thought, well, you know what I'll do is I'll buy an RV 
and I'll travel around in Texas and then figure out where I want to move. And I remember thinking to myself, but nobody does that. Like legitimately, this is a thought process I'm having in, you know, October of 2016 is I'm going to live full time in RV and travel. Now, I know retired people sometimes travel RV, but nobody does it full time. And I went online and found out really fast that people do this full time. And the first thing I looked for was a magazine. I'm a magazine guy, I've published magazines in the past and thought, well, if this many people do it and people have been doing it this long, there has to be a magazine about, you know, if not full time RVing, at least digital nomading. And there was nothing. And, you know, that just it, it hit me in 2016, but it stayed away from me for a while. And uh, yeah, June 1st of 2017, I uh, moved into a rig. I think my youngest son graduated May 29th or something like that. So it was about two days after his graduation. I was like, I'm out and got in the rig and I've been full time on the road. Uh, three and a half years, lived and worked in 45 states. And um, it's been a blast even in and around, you know, dealing with what we've been dealing in 2020. It's still been an amazing lifestyle that I just don't see stopping for a very long time. I'm really enjoying it. Now, Damien, had you ever RV'd before growing up? No. And it's funny, even on our podcast, I really thought this was a unique story to me. I thought never RVing, never owning an RV, never using an RV. I, I did what we call camping, <laughs> like real yeah. camping, like where, you know, there weren't restrooms. I had done that a couple of times. Um, I have a television that goes up and down behind my fireplace. I will never refer to what I'm doing as camping now. It's just, I pull a <laughs> condo, you know, from campground to campground is what I do, but sure. no experience whatsoever. And, um, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I don't think we need more regulations in life, but as I'm trying to get a drone permit and I'm thinking to myself, but I don't need a permit to pull 41 feet, 16,000 pounds. Really? I could just, as long as I have a truck, I'm good to go do your thing. It seems like let's work on that first before the drone license. I give you a lot of credit. And, you know, as you and I kind of talked offline, you know, I came from uh, the world of automation, robotics, manufacturing of all industries, aerospace, medical device. Then I come to this and I think it's a unique industry because, you know, the companies that I represent, like others, um, you know, all brands of RV manufacturers, they, you know, I hear th these are wobbly boxes. You know, you, you build them with amenities, like you said, similar to a condo. And in theory, yeah, you're supposed to downsize, you know, this idea of, of having. And, you know, would you say that this pandemic has maybe given people a lot of clarity? Because one thing that I recognize as I meet more and more individuals that are full-time, year-round, completely nomad, uh, they don't have a, a residence. I was raised, hey, you work, you go to school, you get your degree, you get the job, you get the house, you want a 22, well, for you, a $4,000 a month mortgage, and you have that house, you mow the lawn, you don't enjoy Saturday, Sunday is busy and getting ready for the week with the kids. That's how you're supposed to live. Since I've come here, Damien, meeting people like you, it's like, have we all been buffaloed? Like, it just takes 30 seconds to go to your Instagram account and say, this guy, like, every day he's waking up. But it's the fear of what? Not having, you know, everything you own is, you know, on your rig and in your RV. What do you think in the conversations you've had since you've been embracing this new life, what is the hardest thing? Maybe it's mental that it takes people to give up or to get that freedom. Yeah. You know what? If I ever write a book, it'll be that the American dream was a scam. 
a thousand percent. That'll be the book. And I've got like every chapter from youth sports to Monday through Friday to the size of the home you have to have. And I think as I, you know, again, I think it's a case study for me. And as I meet other people and interview other people, I'm finding out there's so many people that felt or feel the same way. And I wish it was something we experienced in our 20s, just across the board, this like living smaller, living light, lighter footprint. And it's not some like huggy berry hippie thing. I'm not <laughs> talking about that. I'm just talking about my goal is an 8,000 square foot home. My goal was six car garage with six cars in it. The amount of pressure I'd have to put on myself, I'd probably be drinking again. You know what I mean? Like that was just stupid. My goal now, honestly, when I think about like a homestead, it's 600 square feet with a hundred square feet of that being the shower. I want like a 10 by 10 shower. I don't care if there's stadium seating and people want to watch. That's like my goal now is like real practical stuff. I have talked to people that have five bedroom homes and they haven't been in three of the bedrooms in 20 years because it's the kid's childhood home. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? They're saving family heirlooms in storage facilities that no one in their family wants. Yeah. And it's like, what is this madness? So I, I do agree that I think we have been really kind of screwed over. I think what's happening in 2020, really, I think it's more on the work side of stuff that, you know, if you really think about the time when you're at work, I don't know, I'll, I'll give my example. I drove about a 90 minute commute to work. It took me probably about 30 minutes to kind of, you know, decompress from that 90 minute car commute. And then I had to deal with all the BS in the office of what'd you do? What'd you do? What's going on here? What do you think of this? What about Sarah's top? What about Ken's pants? All this stuff that's like, why are we talking about this? Meetings that could have been emails to all this to then get back in my car, do 90 minutes, and now I have to decompress when I get home for my family. So you're talking about a 12 hour every day, five days a week for a job I could have done from home. I mean, like right. legitimately, I'm still in my PJs right, right now, bro. I'm proud of that. Like I'm legitimately wearing PJ pants right now. And I just don't get why we have fallen into this trap where there's this career trap, there's this house trap, there's this 2.2 kids trap. There's all these things that really don't matter to anyone. It doesn't. It's just the weirdest dynamic of what do you drive? What do you do for a living? How many kids do you have? Do you marry? Like all these things that it, it just doesn't matter. And it's so weird that we make it matter when it doesn't need to matter. But I do believe people have been exposed to two things in 2020, remote work and probably homeschooling. Now, I was anti-homeschool just because, you know, after third grade, I couldn't help my kids. So yeah. it was more selfish than anything. But now that I see parents being exposed to that or, you know, just single people working from home, they're really starting to question, why do I live where I live? Do I need to live here? And you don't. And mm -hmm. it's weird that people are scared to leave. I mean, most people really do. They're born, they live and they die. In the same town, same state. Some people never leave the state. And they're always talking about Europe. That's a thing that I always try. Oh, I can't wait to go to Europe. There's 50 amazing state states right here. You can get in your car and see Europe. There are places yeah. in the United States that look like Europe. I just drove through when I was driving here from Idaho through Oregon, right there on the border of Oregon and Washington. I was in Game of Thrones, man. I was, I don't even know where that was filmed, but that's where I was. It was insane. So it's just, yeah, I don't get why we've been screwed over and thought that this is what we need. We don't need any of it. We don't. And we've been scammed. We've been played. You know, we're, we haven't taken the blue pill yet. We haven't pulled the cords out of our back of our head. And we're really just living this kind of robotic. Well, and I, I think, too, you know, probably the other paradigm of, you know, this misinformation was you had a bigger majority of folks that 
you know, knew the lifestyle of getting the education, working, having the brick and mortar, having the home, having, 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 having. Now, you know, and again, credit to you, credit to Rootless Living, there's more people that are educating folks on having a nomadic life and being able to live with less. So when we talk practicality then, right, let's consider this podcast a small window of education that Rootless Living Magazine and you can give some people some perspective. If we say, okay, hmm, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, I'm not Damian Ross. I'm not six foot 6.6. I don't know how to fix things. Uh, I don't hug trees. Okay, let's assume you work a normal job, but Damian Ross is doing it. But could I afford it? Because I hear that parks cost $90 a night. So let's, let's go with budget. In a given week, or let's do even a month, for somebody that says, you know, Damien, I don't need a toy hauler. I want a 30-foot travel trailer, maybe with only one slide out, less you know, mechanical issues, uh, less things to go wrong. What would it cost me if I said, hmm, I'm going to try to be Damien for a month? Maybe that's a, maybe that's a sleeve in here, <laughs> to be Damien for a month. What would it cost me on average if I went to a combination of like KOAs, um, you know, maybe boondocking, what would you say roughly a month would cost as compared to like owning a home with a mortgage and electrical? Is it the same? Could it be less? Yeah. So I did this thing where I started asking people, if your old life was a hundred dollars, what's your new life? And that way you just didn't get into people's specifics, you know, per se. And there were people that said it's $20. Now there were people that said it's 50. I would say that really for me, it's probably closer to $15 compared to what I was paying you know, by myself in Los Angeles. Now I, you know, I have a business partner and a travel partner and she pays half of everything that costs us. You know, we looked at our 2019, which probably was our heaviest travel. I mean, we did probably about 30 states in 2019. And it probably with everything altogether was about three grand a month. So my share was 1500. And, you know, I mean, again, and, and that's including campgrounds. Now what's interesting in 2020, I think we'll spend somewhere around $700 so far for the entire you know, year in campground and everyone would be like, oh, that's because you got solar installed. I got solar installed in September. So the majority of that was out of there. There's great kind of programs that you can do through memberships. And then, you know, obviously Boonocker's welcome to Harvest Host to just family and friends and people you meet. There's a way to do this. And it's not all campgrounds. I mean, there are some really amazing RV resorts if that's your style. Um, And you can really, you can make the budget kind of what you want to, which you really can't do. I can't, I can't decide to pay less rent because money's coming in slow. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just, I don't remember that. I don't remember that as an option. Like, hey, landlord, I only got about 700 bucks this month. I know it's normally two grand, but all I got yeah. is 700. Where you can do that. If if gas is a big expense because you're doing 30 states, then maybe you have to drop it down to do eight states and that kind of a thing. Um, so I think for most people, but again, if you're from a small town and you're making a minimum wage, the job, the idea or the cost of this might you know, be a lot. But with a roommate, with you know a little bump in pay, doing something different, you can really make it work. Plus, most campgrounds will take a camp host, and now you're not paying anything, and you just have to do some you know light work in and around the campground. At fifty campsites, <laughs> wait, what? Like, there's only like nine of us that aren't hosts that are here. There's like a host for every two persons that's here. It was bizarre, um, but it really is. You can fluctuate it in a way that I just don't remember what I'll call in a normal rental or mortgage. 
You can't fluctuate it the way you can here. And let me say this too. I got laid off in 2014 and man, it threw my world upside down. I mean, yeah. no notice, just boom. I had the same thing happen in 2018 and I didn't miss a beat because I just didn't have that type of overhead. Right. You know, it, it just didn't hit me the way that it did in 2014. And, um, you know, I, like that to me is so important. I think that's what I learned where I'm living within my means. My budget decides my lifestyle where before my lifestyle, I had to try to figure out my budget to that. And th I, I know that's common sense stuff and we all should be doing it. But if you want to live in New York or Los Angeles or, you know, San Francisco or wherever, Chicago, you can't do that because mm -hmm. they dictate the prices and you just have to figure out a budget around it where, you know, there's 50 other states. Right. And there's there's places you can live where the weather is very much like probably where you're from, but it's a tenth of the cost to live there. And even if you live there, think if you live there for two years, think if you could live off a tenth of your cost for two years and you just sock away the 90% for two years, it's still a great life. Don't get me wrong. And then what? Then you decide, okay, now I'm going to go put money down on a house. Maybe you go do, do that American dream, but it really is a variable. It, it's like asking, you know, how long is the rope? Um, it's just not. A question anybody can really answer and so for me it's really where you come from is this become affordable yeah well but i also want to preface too the the point that you don't make is let's say on average you do you know say yeah three thousand dollars a month that includes you seeing some of the most beautiful places throughout north america at that three thousand. So, for example, you've got the big home, a two thousand dollar a month mortgage. You got the car payments. You got the lawnmower. You got everything else. And then, oh, family wants to go down to Kentucky. Family wants to go to Florida. Well, that's going to cost us five grand for one week. And if you think about what you just said, yes, folks, you're giving up the house payment. You're losing the attachment. But what you're getting in return is waking up every morning where you choose, <laughs> and seeing the world in a way that you will be blown away. And I just invite everybody to look Damien Ross up on Instagram and you'll see quickly like I did, like, whew, that is awesome. Um, well, real quick, I think you're talking about the ROI. If you're talking about the expense versus the ROI, the ROI is bananas. Like yeah. my lifestyle and what I've learned and the people I've met, um, uh, the last three years have been more impactful than the previous 30 years. I mean, to be honest, like it's just been insane. The ideas of what someone from the South was like, or what a real New Yorker's like, or just all these kind of things that you get taught from a perspective of where you're from. Trust me, I meet people all the time that sit there and talk shit about California. I've never stepped into California. I'm like, you don't know California. You can't have an opinion about sushi unless you've eaten raw fish. I don't want to yeah. hear it. You don't have an opinion. Right. So the ROI has been bananas. People talk about it all the time with solar, where they're like, well, I won't have to go to campgrounds, so I'll save money. That's not the ROI on solar parking on the sand in Texas for two weeks for free, where I could literally jump out a window and land into the Gulf. I don't know what that would cost me in California. I don't know what that yeah. would cost me to even rent a house and do that. But I know for two weeks every month I can do it for free. So the ROI is bananas. So and and I think, like I said, that's what you're bringing to light, you know, with this magazine. And so my next question is, is you having too much success? And everybody, you know, going bananas. And I know people are begging you now to bring the merch back. And, you know, people are being educated with rootless living and seeing that it's, you know, you're not, you're not giving up everything to have an amazing new life. Will it, are you, could you be contributing to a bigger problem? For example, let me preface. 
Somebody who told me that they do a lot of boondocking say, and they blame the pandemic, of course, but they say, I cannot, north, south, east, west, and Arizona, 500 miles, I cannot get a campsite until the end of August. That's how booked out they are. I look at it as an opportunity, right? Right now we're seeing commercial real estate. I pray for all them folks. They're screwed. Um, so the idea of having these you know, big uh, buildings, I see opportunity for developers to, instead of having you know, an 800 room hotel with only two elevators, which is not ideal for social distancing, to say, hey, you know what? Let's pave out you know, 22 acres of land We'll put in a bunch of different spots. You're seeing, you know, companies all over the place like Camp Spot. There's Campendium, all these things. Do you see no limit because the amount of land that you've traveled already over the course of, you know, your commitment to this new lifestyle that there's always going to be more and more opportunity because people are going to see, uh, you know, opportunity in, in, in this new lifestyle? Yeah, you know, I, I think ultimately it's this, the the the. The thing that I love most, the two maps that I saw kind of in the last, you know, three years, first one was that LA County, which is just a blip on the map, has more people than I think close to 30 states all across the United States, just LA County, that one little blip. If you look at where, and again, I don't want to get into elections, but just understand this. If you look at an election map, like where people really vote, and I know we see the map and it's all red, it's all blue, whatever it is. The land doesn't vote. There's so much land where there isn't people. So yeah, in areas where it's really crowded and there's very few campgrounds and everyone has an RV, those areas are going to be campground. In three years, I've had one, one campground that didn't have a space for me in three and a half years. And I'm dealing with it right now, even in, you know, being in kind of crowded popular areas. You know, I was just in Arizona, which everybody goes to Arizona during the winter. I just, here's a table waiting for you. It's not the doomsday again that I'm hearing. Um, and we saw this a lot in and around things getting closed down for a minute. And, you know, people were losing their mind. And I'm like, state parks aren't for full-time RVers. That's not what they're designed for. So, of course, a state park would close when they're trying to say stay to essential stuff. And there were some full-timers that lost their mind. And I'm like, well, how often do you stay at a state park? And again, it was that weird kind of like, if you take something away that even someone doesn't use, they lose their mind. And they're like, well, we did a state park in New York in 2018. I'm like, bro, it's 2020. You'll be fine. That was two <laughs> years ago. You're good. Relax. <laughs> and, and so I do think there's, but here's the thing. Like, honestly, as a sales guy that's talking to RV companies, there's a huge boom right now. I mean, obviously they've had some of the biggest years that they've ever had. Things are selling like freaking hotcakes. But probably the biggest demographic in the RV industry, which I don't know how you market to, is people that buy these things and never use these things. I had a harder time finding storage for the rig that I purchased April 15th-ish of 2017 for the 45 days leading up to when I was going to leave. Cost me almost $800 to store an RV outdoors. Talking to the guy, 80% of those RVs haven't left in five years. So even though you do hear about a lot of people buying them, people buy them. And it just ends up in their garage for whatever reason, or, you know, the side of the house or worse, they're paying storage. That to me is just like, I can't believe that that's probably one of the largest segments of purchasers, people that buy them and really don't use them when you just could have rented them. 
But honestly, and I think that goes back to miseducation. So there's two things that as I came in here outside the industry and kind of like you going all in, I've gone all in and all I'm hearing is when it comes to maintenance. uh, Oh, I didn't know this was going to shake loose. Oh, you know, this is a piece of crap. Well, no, other people have the same issue. It's because you were driving 70 miles an hour with 60 mile an hour crosswinds. Like it's only going to, you know, sealant's going to hold so much. So there's some education in learn how to maintain, but back to your point, what I keep saying to our brands, we need to not raise the expectation or fluff like it's gonna be perfect. You're gonna have issues. I don't care what brand it is. You're gonna have maintenance that you have to do. So that's a reality. But number two, the reason why these all sit, Damien, is because they're living what they were taught and they get two weeks vacation a year. And so that's where I'm saying this paradigm The thing that I'm thankful for, I'm talking to you right now remote. I'm not in Heartland's office, and they're okay with that. And more companies are seeing that, okay, I don't have to have control. We don't have to sit for two hours and do no ROI positive uh, work. We're just going to jelly bean and like high school, be social. I can let them work remote, and they can be intrinsically motivated because they are passionate about this company and what we're doing, right? As more companies allow people to do that, then I I do hope and I believe that with education and comfort, they can go, hey, I got more than two weeks. I'm going to let my boss know like, hey, I'm not going to be at 112 South Central Drive. I'm going to be at a campground, but I've got Wi-Fi. I'll have my laptop, my cell phone. So as long as the connection of corporate America with pandemic maybe being a, a, a cause or forced to do this, maybe that will start changing. But to your point, I'm like, we have coaches that are 180,000 plus and they buy it and it sits for six months. We're going to take our first trip in May. And it's like, oh, my lands, you know? So I just think, like I said, I think there's a lot of opportunity uh, for rootless living (laughs) to continue teaching and connecting with people. So I do want to now kind of talk about, you know, as I said, You've had a pretty incredible life's journeys. You've had sunshine, you've had some rain, and I think you've even had a storm or two, but you've overcome. Here you are today. Um, you've got you know goofballs like me and, and a lot of other people that are following and really embracing your truth. If we talk about what you're doing, and I know, like I said, I, I see I'm watching everybody on social like, hey, man, when are you going to come back out with the merch? We love the merch. Uh, more and more people are embracing Rootless Living. Where then, from a strategy standpoint, do you see going into 2021? What do you want your company, the evolution, where do you guys see yourself going next? Or what would be the next, you know, metrics that you're measuring in terms of, you know, are you getting the growth that you want? Are you getting the reach? Are you, is the magazine doing what you want it to do? Yeah. So in 2020, my goal was about 10,000 subscribers and it's still currently sitting as a free publication for the digital side of stuff. Um, I didn't want to do print at all. Um, We were kind of asked early on as we announced it, will there be print editions, which I thought for a digital nomad magazine, this is really odd. We did a Kickstarter. It fully funded. We started with print. Print is growing like bananas. And what's crazy to me, stuff that I'll say that I, you know, I owned a skate magazine in the 90s that I published and I had a city publication I published in and around 2000. Obviously, it all crashed and burned around 2008. And what never happened in those publications, nobody ever purchased previous publications. It wasn't even a thought to even have it available. Where I have people now, I've sold out of issues one, two, and three, and I've done three reorders for each of those that 
now I'm like, I got to start thinking that, yeah, maybe I buy X, but I got to buy 5X and put it in a warehouse somewhere. And as people want to purchase the previouses, we can send them out. So when I started this idea of the magazine, Rootless Living, you know, it, it should have been called Digital Nomad, you know, or full-time RVer, making it really simple. But what I wanted to be able to prove to advertisers is that there was no term rootless living before us. And if you go search the hashtag or see what people are talking about, how people are naming their accounts with the term rootless now, then you know that that's something that we influence. Full-time RVer or digital nomad hashtags, those have been there forever. We have eight publications that we want to do that connect a little to the lifestyle. And I'll, I, hey, man, breaking news here in a way. My next magazine is an RV owner publication. You know, as a businessman, I'm in a campground right now and there's probably, I don't know, 40 spots here and there's probably 30 people here. Maybe three are rootless living, but all 30, guess what? They own an RV. So I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. I could walk around and hand out a magazine, talk to people and say, hey, look, it's a it's an RV owner magazine that's not owned by Camping World. Which is like, you know, I love that Sears called it a catalog. Sears didn't try to call it a magazine. Victoria's Secrets didn't try to call it a magazine. They called them catalogs. Camping World owns two of the largest publications. They're going to merge them together and they're going to run it from Chicago. Good on them. We're going to start an RV owners magazine that's for RV owners that's ran by RV owners, not just me. I mean, there's other people that are already coming into play to do this because we understand what's important. I have this argument all the time with even manufacturers. You really should start bringing in people that live the life to help you lay these things out and not weekenders and sometimes and part timers. Bring them all in. Bring in some full timers. Bring in some tall full timers. Bring in some short full timers. Bring in people that want to use it for the weekend in this kind of area and climate. Because what you want to do on the West Coast is way different than what you want to go on the East Coast. And I get that that's a lot of skews. And I understand. I feel like that the industry in a whole, this idea of either getting away on the weekends or living the life full time, is really about to hit just a huge boom. And I love that I'm starting publications that you would think, why would people want this analog? I love that boom too. I'm seeing so many people get away from the digital and come back to the analog. When I had to install something recently on the rig, I was so frustrated trying to follow the video to install it. I was like, why can't you just put it on a piece of paper? Why can't I look at step one to step eight and have it on one piece of paper? I'm not worried about internet or some guy's goofy intro or asking me to buy his swag. Why can't I just be told what I need to do to learn this? And it's like, it's funny that things are coming back to analog. And that's where I, I even get surprised at the success that we had. Because remember, I thought 10,000, we hit 20,000 by the end of the year. Um, I, and I, the RV owner publication, which, you know, working on all the trademarks for the name and stuff, I'll announce that soon. But for me, it's like, it's going to blow up even different because... This is what people want. People want to learn about others that are doing it from the places to the products to the people. And most of these publications, all they focus on are the products. And really, once you own an RV, you don't really need to hear about the products all the time. Once you've been in the life for three years, you're not going to shock me with something where all of a sudden I see an ad for something or I'm like, I didn't know that existed. Most of us know that it existed. But what's important is the places and the people, the products I feel like it's it's a great niche for getting people to understand what's available when you see the people that you already kind of trust and know using it as opposed to just an entity telling you you need this kind of a thing. And I, I hope we'll have a lot of success in that. And there's all different segments that are coming out. Sections that you see in the Rootless Living magazine now will become their own publications moving forward. And that's what we're really excited about too. 
Well, and I'll tell you, you know, the one thing that I do admire before you and I ever talked and I looked, the thing that I think I appreciate most for you and some of the mindset of things that I'm trying to do as the brand manager for here, rather than focus on the bells and whistles and, well, yes, we're like 12 other brands that have the same square footage as ours, but ours is different because, you know, we have little white triangles and they have little white squares on their walls. That's the difference, you know, and, and, I've, and I haven't insulted our brands, but what people really want to see is, hey, Thor Industries, they invested millions of dollars and they have three different PDI processes now for all three brands. Didn't have that. And they suffered because they would just make them. There wasn't a PDI process. And the avenue to get you to this lifestyle was diminished because they were having a lot of expensive problems. So we as a manufacturer, credit to our leadership, our president, Ryan Jude, he said, talk is cheap. We've got to make a better vehicle so people can have the lifestyle. We as a manufacturer, he, and he's changed this. He said to me, you're not going to sell how great Heartland is. You're not going to sell how great Cruiser is. You're going to explain to people what we've done to better serve customers because they already know. <laughs> Just go to any thread. You think any brand is better? please get on that Facebook thread and you'll see them desecrated. So I just think that the entire industry has opportunity. But that being said, the focus for me was to start building out a community. And that's what I'm doing with this podcast. What I give you credit for is I look, you're asking, you've been doing this and you could have made a lot more money going a different route, but you've said, hey, do you live this lifestyle? Do you wanna be a contributor? We'll let you write. So can you kind of talk about for the listeners that maybe are currently, you know, uh, following you or people that are going to start following you? What are you looking for for people to contribute uh, to to each uh, publication? I think what's really important too to understand is that even though the lifestyle is very interesting, living the lifestyle doesn't make you interesting. And I think a lot of times people forget that even though we're doing rootless living, if I was publishing a magazine about Texas and you contact me and you say, Hey, I live in Texas, that doesn't mean there's a story there. So, <laughs> right? right. And it, it, you get it there, but it's weird with rootless living. People will, Hey, we live in an RV. Okay, great. Now what? Oh, that's it. We live in an RV. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I have people that call me, hey, we live with 11 pets, but I can only tell you two of the, two of the pets we can't talk about because they're illegal in 38 states. I'm like, we need to tell your story. That's amazing. Yeah. So for me, I think it's it, in regards to contributing anywhere. And, yeah. and for me, this is what just blows my mind. I have people contact me. I get their email out. I take a look. They're not even subscribed to the magazine. Oh, let me see if they're, you know, what their socials are. They're not even following us on social, but yet they want to be in the publication. Sorry, that's not how it works. Yeah. You got to be part of the community. And I think this goes for any community. Start promoting the community and then reach out to maybe some of those community heads and then say, hey, I'd like to be a part of this. We've we've rejected a lot of pitches. We've taken a lot of pitches. Uh, we're looking to start paying people moving into 2021 for their stories, which we weren't really doing in 2020. You know, I mean, again, we're a startup company with no kind of investments. And it's funny to me that now people are coming out, but there's still this idea that, well, this is what's really funny in the industry is that people want to pay, want me to pay them to write about something that they benefit financially from. I'm not going to pay you to write an advertorial. Are you kidding me? So there's just a lot of this, like, just like craziness going on. But if you really do, if you have a, you know, 
I, I met a gal at my last campground where her, you know, her husband recently passed away and she just didn't want to deal with the, hey, you know, I heard so-and-so passed away. I hope you're okay. She wanted to go where nobody knew who she was. She got in an RV and just started traveling. It's not something she has to talk about. Yeah. And, and, and it, there's, there's so many different stories. But what's really great, the reason we want to tell these stories is I go back to the four-minute mile. Nobody broke the four-minute mile until one person broke it. And then when one person broke it, I think 100 people broke it that year. You know, I mean, again, don't quote me on the stats. But it was one of those yep. things that once you saw someone do it, then everyone's doing it. And I, I see that in life. I remember when J.R. Ryder literally jumped in the air, put the ball between his legs, and dunked it. And it was the first one to do it. We lose our mind. My kids can do it now. You know what I mean? But 20 years ago, we lost our mind over this thing. Right. And I and I think we are in that aspect of this lifestyle where people are losing their mind. I do believe this lifestyle is going to become very normal. But I do think there's still some really exceptional kind of stories and even some normal stories. I'll say this too really quick just because I don't want someone thinking they have to have this over-the-top amazing story. Um, the majority of the people that have spoken or been interviewed on my podcast, it's their first podcast. They have no social following. They don't create content. They just have an interesting life. They've, they've had an interesting transition to this life. And I, those are the stories that I like to hear. I get pitched celebrity stories all the time. Meh. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, a celebrity can decide tomorrow to go buy an RV and move and do their thing. But, eh. It's not always that great of a story, unless right. it really is like, I'm just done with the industry. I decided to quit being a celebrity. I just wanted a full-time RVer. Hey, I'll write that story. But a lot of them are switching because they have no they have no way to create FaceTime that now they're switching to this. I think all the jackass guys have basically moved into a van. And I think maybe part of that is financially. Part of it, it makes them relevant and they can do some things. Yeah. And that's the thing that we kind of talked about is that if you're doing this lifestyle and you get a following doing the lifestyle. That's amazing. And it's great. But if you say to yourselves, I want to go do this lifestyles to get a following, you're doing it wrong. You're taking advantage of an amazing life that you have. You're making it work. I did this for two years where the lifestyle wasn't my job. Now the lifestyle is my job. It is different. You look at it through a different lens. And I think people don't realize that. And that's why you see a lot of these full-time RV or YouTubers are all quitting. Because it's too much to live the life and earn money on the life. Right. It's just over. It's like anything. You know what I yeah. mean? Tell me a guy, in a, a male gynecologist that has a good marriage. Right. No. You know what I mean? There's only so much you can do where you're just like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Yep. And I think that's the same thing in this lifestyle. So if you're living the lifestyle and you yourself, when you share your story with family and friends and they get blown away, reach out to us. We want to share that story. If you can write, great. If you can't, we'll write it for you. But I really do prefer it being people that are writing their own stories. We have people that can edit it for you. So if it's not your skill set, don't worry. But, you know, write it up. Take some good photos. Let's share your story. Let's let someone else see that that four-minute mi four mile can be broken. All right. So then specifically for potential contributors, what is the best way for them to connect with you, Damien? You want them on social? You want them going to the website? Uh, it's just email. It's just collab, C-O-L-L-A-B at rootlessliving.com. You can oh. always do things. You can you can DM us on Instagram, but I think the important thing is spend some time in the community, spend some time promoting the community. You know, if you really believe in the community, great. Spend some time letting people know about Rootless Living. Spend some time sharing other people's stories. Um, if you're just in it for you, th there's enough of that. I don't, we, nobody needs that. You know what I mean? If you're just in it to promote your channel so you can make more money, it's not even necessary either. 
You know, I, I really, honestly, it's funny that in 2020, what I think I've learned, I don't think I knew this in 2019, the stories and the interviews that people get most excited about are people they've not heard of. Sure. And I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting. Where before I thought, let's get, you know, this big YouTuber on the cover, let's get these big people. Cause you would think that's what would make it important. And it switched. And, and, and I've learned this other words where if you think back to, let's take like Vogue magazine, Remember, it used to be all the models on Vogue. Right. Now it's all celebrities. They put Madonna on one cover and they had a 10X sellout that they started realizing for them, it was better to put people that are well-known and attractive on the cover as opposed to people that are just attractive. What I've learned is the stories that matter, are the ones that people don't know about, where they just see themselves through that person. Because not everyone has a YouTube channel with 300,000 subscribers. And I think that's really interesting that I was like, ooh, I kind of went about it the wrong way in the beginning. And I'll always talk about when I do things the wrong way, where I was like, what people really want to know is, does the average Joe, like if I was to do a cooking segment in our magazine, it would not be a celebrity chef. It would not. It would right. be an RVer that really started learning what a pain in the ass sometimes it is to cook in these tiny kitchens when they had this huge kitchen before and made it fun and interesting. That's the person that would be writing a regular how to cook in an RV. It wouldn't be someone that's saying, bam, or anything of that nature, 100%. Well, and the other thing that I want to speak to, too, just for, again, for all the viewers and, and all the listeners, um, we really believe in you. So on behalf of Heartland RV, we appreciate everything that Ruleless Living is doing. That's why we made an investment to have a huge feature ad talking about how we're launching life's journeys. Um, it's been huge ROI positive for us. So I only say that because our company, we invested in Rootless Living and we think it's absolutely worth it. The engagement that we've been getting from this ad has been very beneficial. And I think not because how great our ad is, it's because to your point, you've built a very sincere center based on truth uh, group of followers and a community of people that really do embrace this. So the products that we make are a tool for people to, to do that. So I only say that as... If, if you're somebody watching and you work for another brand, I don't even care if you're a competitor. It doesn't matter. There's enough business out there. Uh, if you guys want to uh, get and you know take an advertisement uh, with Rootless Living, it will be very ROI positive. So I invite you guys to consider and, and do that. And you can talk to Damien and his team later. You know, I want to ask you this too, Damien, because again, I know the pandemic, it just depends on health and safety, et cetera. But do you see... And maybe this is a teaser. Maybe you don't want to say it. I just have this feeling, though, that we're all crying out for connection. Would it be ridiculous to think about you possibly organizing events in the future uh, from Rootless Living? And maybe if you've had just small little thoughts, dreams, hopes on those, like, can you maybe just talk about, because of a guy who's been doing it, what an event could look like? Because I know people have rallies, but a lot of times those are like compartmentalized. Hey, you can do this. You can do that. When you get here, you do this. You do, can't do that. But I think Damien, he could have a pretty wild one. I guess, what, what are your thoughts on events? Again, assuming that everybody's going to be safe and, and okay. Yeah. So we actually had an idea of doing something on August 8th, 8-8. Um, and um, we got that officially as Digital Nomad Day here in the United States, America. And, you know, it was a virtual event this year. We kept it really low key. Next year, if things are to the point where it really is safe for people to come out, we're going to have lots of meetups and events. Because, again, 
I think rallies are great. I think there is a really cool community in and around a brand. I think brands have done a good job with that. You know, a lot of people go there because they can get those little things worked on on the rig while they're there and meet other fellow owners. But I think lifestyle, like meeting people with the same lifestyle is really interesting. And, you know, I have ideas of, you know, buying some campgrounds and making them really available to full timers where it has the things that full timers, full timers don't care about cable television. They care about Ethernet. You know what I mean? Like there's just simple things that you can do. They don't care if you bring them a bag of ice like that doesn't get them excited. <laughs> you know, What gets them excited is knowing when they open their door, they're not going to hit their neighbor's door. And so yeah. there's things that I think from events to actual like long term stays to maybe even like little micro events we thought about when we were out boondocking here in Flagstaff. We were like, why don't we put this on the map? I mean, find out what we need from a city to do an event, but not even charge. Just be like, hey, we're going to be in this area. If you want to come and be around like-minded people, great. And let it just kind of flow from that as opposed to, you know, it being a $250 event and here's what you get. And here's the timelines. I mean, I, I think those have those place. I come from kind of the, the community of you know, conventions. And I understand that. I think that does have its place, but I think just bringing people together on a regular basis is kind of fun. Um, I see some apps that are doing that. I see some other people that are trying to help do that. And obviously we're trying to do that with the community. We're constantly trying to put people together. And um, I, I, I would see that in 2021. I think you'll see a lot of that from us, it, you know, as long as it really is safe to do. We don't want to be someone that is like ignoring what someone else is dealing with and saying, Hey, come on out. Let's all hang out together. Yeah. Right now we can take a break from it. I think this new bend in your journey is just getting started. And I'm really excited to see the future of rootless living. Um, I would probably like to have you back on again, if some dynamics change and there's some event announcements, or as you said, maybe, um, you know, some new publications when those times come up, uh, would just love to have you just, this would be another spot for you to just, you know, get it out. Um, but we do embrace you. We appreciate you as a company. Um, and then as an individual, it has been great getting to know you. So I appreciate your time. Just want to kind of end with, you know, for everybody listening and viewing on social media website, just give me the rundown. What's the best way for people to get to know the community you've created? Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely the website is rootlessliving.com. You can still grab a free digital subscription. We're going to grandfather everyone in that grabs it before the end of the year. You'll never have to pay for the digital subscription if you grab it now. So maybe if you don't even know if you really want to read it right now, I would still go in and grab it, get yourself locked up. And uh, I think that is something that will change in our business next year is that we'll start charging for digital subscriptions. But right now you can still grab a free one. You can really almost on all social, you can check out the hashtag rootless living, all one word. Um, we're probably most dominant on Instagram is where we really like to hang out, sharing other people's stories. You know, my socials are at Damien Ross. You can find me on Instagram and there's a Facebook page. And I did this video series where I shot, edited and uploaded a thousand videos in a thousand days. And it just ended like two or three days ago. And I'm enjoying that. And um, I love meeting other inspired to be someday part-time, full-time, doesn't matter. I'll never judge you based on how often you want to do this lifestyle. But I, that's the one thing I've been so impressed with in our publication is how many inspired to do one days we brought in. And that was what I really like. And I hope to do the same thing with every other publication moving forward is the people that want to live this life someday are reading it as the people that are actually living the life are reading it. If you can create content that makes both of those people feel heard and valued, you're going to rock it. And I feel like the industry in itself has done a really good job of, yeah, once you own it, here's where you go. And uh, I'm excited to kind of be able to do both. 
Damien Ross, you're an awesome human being. Thank you for taking time to share your life's journey on the Where's Willie podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate being on. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.